This podcast is brought to you with support from The Big Idea, New Zealand's online hub for creative people. The Big Idea aims to support talented, innovative individuals and organisations and advocates for creativity as an essential ingredient in the cultural and economic wealth of New Zealand. Their website is thebigidea.nz. Here we are again, Danny. Are you loving it? <laughs> <laughs> Am I loving what? This. <laughs> Get your hand off my knee. <laughs> uh, so today's guest is a friend of yours. Tell me a little bit about her. Uh, she is from LA. Her name is Nicole Slater. Mm-hmm. And she's not, a, at least as far as I know, she's not a musician or anything, but she works in the music world mm-hmm. um, doing all things related to social media and marketing and promotion. And, right. and um, I actually spoke to her about being on the, on the podcast when I was over there at the start of the year. Mm. And I just thought, you know, this would be a really interesting conversation because the social media thing and that whole side of it has never really been more important. Probably yeah. safe to say, yeah. and yet I think to most of us it's kind of a mystery. It, it is, and I think it's an ever-changing, ever-evolving, um, and that's kind of what I want to ask her about too. Is um, it's there's almost like a black magic, dark arts kind of yeah. thing to it, you know? There's, so that's um, something I'd want to get into with her because I we struggle with it ourselves with this podcast, you know, about yeah. the, the appropriate way to uh, engage in social media channels. There's a lot of opinions out there about how you're supposed to interact with people. Yep. online yep. Uh, there's a lot of supposed experts yep. there's also just a lot of opinions from just individuals trolls you, know. you mean yeah but also just you know you talk to one musician then talk to another musician oh, or, or sure. you talk to another, you know, someone else in a different of field course. and you know, do you, you know, what do you post and how often do you post? And Yeah, you, you run the risk of spamming, don't you? And yes. then pissing people off. That's right. Um, but also, I guess updating people is really important, mm. but not over, uh, yeah. Your... And, it's, and it's hard to find results, like good results. And then it's hard to find patterns where you can actually say, this is the way to get those good, re- and, good you results. You know, when does social media become anti-social media? You know, in, in What is term- anti-social media? Well, I don't know. I don't know if there's actually a term, but, right. you, know, but the, you, you just put those up. two words together. Yeah. Um, it probably is. There's a term for everything on the internet. <laughs> um, but I, I would think that you can turn people off by being too in their face. So it's like, yeah, so it's like anti-social behavior, sort of. Yeah. A- anti- like you way. get the opposite result. But that could span from anything from fake news to trolls on the, yeah. you know, um, who the fuck do you think you are? What, your opinion's bullshit. Mm. Um, the keyboard warriors, if you like, yeah. you know, who will sit there and, and judge you from afar behind a, the safety and security of a um, I wonder if that keyboard. Will, I wonder if the keyboard warrior thing will remain or whether that'll phase out. I mean, I, I just feel like they're losing their potency. Yeah, people are starting to ignore them, but then they'll find other ways to, to, to yeah. fuck with you, I suppose. It's uh, just so, pathetic, eh? You're yeah, some of them scared. have valid opinions, but when you start actually insulting people just to try and yeah. get a rise out of them, you, then you know that those people are just... Yeah, just mm, pathetic. Yeah. yeah. And that, I mean, so that could be... That could describe anti-social media, I suppose. But back on the, um, you know, knowing the right way to interact, mm. it, it, which is really interesting and and um difficult to undo and figure out and you know then everything changes every five seconds anyway and yeah you know yeah, and like, technologies move on and how do you decide what sort of content to post on your own facebook page do you give that a lot of thought yeah um no 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 not really i mean for me if i'll, I'll post something that i find interesting and, mm. and 
I, to, I guess that's the, the crux of social media, you know, in that if someone you're hoping that someone else will find interesting, they'll relate to things that you find interesting, and, yeah. then, and then maybe they'll like it or pass it on or whatever, you know, and there's that right. whole kind of um, eval, there's a term, um, electronic validation. Yeah. When yeah. someone likes something or shares something that you've done, then you feel a little bit kind of validated. And, yeah. and there actually is a, um, people are saying there's an addiction equivalent to the heroin addiction right. uh, um, the buzz from heroin or whatever the dopamine receptors in the brain when someone likes something that you've done on on social media whether it's putting a selfie up or or writing a post that that engages with people or even just sharing mm. something of someone else's um people get that sort of little tiny dopamine hit yeah and then it becomes addictive right you know i tend to have a very impersonal relationship with facebook like i i tend to keep a professional with very very few exceptions right um like i know that when i start having kids i won't be posting kids photos on there i just that's just not for me we'll see about that (laughs) (laughs) um but like i don't yeah i just don't really engage uh like if i'm i don't know i just don't really put my personal life there do you see it as a tool of some sort or do you just see it as an interaction when you when and if you want to well firstly i don't like to depend on social media so i just use it basically when i feel like it but i don't want to i don't want to have to go on it do you Um, use it for a business thing though yeah yeah yeah, i see it as more of a professional outlet right um and there are other musicians that i know who complain that they don't get much work you know or that they're, they're not taken seriously and yet I see them posting stuff all the time that just makes them look stupid. Right. You know, whether it's just low brow or it's just um, nonsense, you yeah. know, and you just think, well, you're just not doing yourself any favors. And I'm not suggesting that there should be some sort of rule. I'm just saying that I've made the decision for myself that I just want to have consistency in my presentation and and it's something that's important to me. So yeah. that's just my own decision. And you'll, you'll find a lot of people uh, will have their own personal page that they only invite true friends. Yes. And yes. And, and then they'll have a fan page for those who are, uh, I guess, in the entertainment business or right. or have, have their own blog or whatever. Yeah. Is that entertainment? Probably. Um, in a way. <laughs> I guess if it's entertaining. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I saw this uh, television show, an episode of this really great really well written and and thought out called Black Mirror have you come across oh, that oh man I love that show I've watched the whole thing right so did yeah. you see the episode with the um, yeah, the, like, yeah social media thing where you get all the number of likes and therefore your status in society yes. is more I mean that was just and they have a way of of uh, diluting everything down to right. a one and a half hour thing that, that you go oh my god yeah that points to where our problems are in society in that way so for those people who haven't seen the show it's basically every episode is a different story yeah and it's all based on um uh future scenarios that are arguably very realistic in the near future in the near future yeah yeah. that that very much could happen sort of yeah (laughs) one of them was uh, where the british prime minister was forced to fuck a pig yeah that was Uh, the first episode wasn't it was it yeah Yeah, i think think season two or something yeah he was blackmailed and in what was it? Someone was taken hostage or something. Yeah, the Princess yeah. of Wales or something right. was taken hostage and yeah. he had to, uh, in order to uh, free her. That was the ransom. Um, the one that I liked with the, with the, where people had that thing embedded in their head and uh, it recorded everything they saw and heard. Right. And they could play it back at any moment. They could go back to, like, you know, the... You know the, the second Saturday of February oh, that from two thousand nine. Arguments with people, eh? No, yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, said. Yeah, exactly, no, and that's what they did in the episode. Did, did, did you see that one? I think I may have. Is, is it the one where um, 
if they uh, you know don't want to talk to you anymore, they can block you out or block themselves out from you viewing them, and, you, and they just become like a um, Japanese porn um, <laughs> thing where it's all blocked out. Like um, I don't remember if that's the same. Out. I remember that that effect, but I don't remember if that's the same episode. So, uh, you know, but so just, I've heard about Japanese porn. I don't <laughs> yeah. really, you know. the um, the scene though where the couple are arguing with each other and and. They're yeah. arguing about what happened. They're like, "Well, let's see," and then they they project it up onto the wall. And they, I think that is <laughs> the, know? I think that's the same episode. So she got really pissed off with him. Yeah. So she blocked him from being able to actually see her in any kind of because shape she or found form. out that he had been rewatching um, himself having sex with past lovers while they were having sex. Ah, there you go. Right. Yeah. That would piss you off, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. Right. And so, and then, so he became unable to actually communicate with her yeah anyway yeah. watch the show it's great really, series it's pretty it's dark fun. but it's cool it can get dark eh? yeah, yeah yeah well i think it's dark because it's actually kind of terrifying because it's so close mm, yeah. you know i mean we don't have I mean, that that thing you you know that you brought up that got us into this conversation about the like thing in this other mm. episode um if you get lots of likes you get better social standing if your likes drop down you start to you start to lose your rights to certain areas of society. Yeah, you become a, a lower caste um, person. Yeah. Which means that you can't um, have access to the same services as people with higher likes. And then if your likes drop down low enough, I think you end up being in prison, don't you? Isn't that what happens? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, yeah. You, you are deemed to be a lowly, lowly person and yeah. you're dangerous to the society that's that's come up. So what they've probably done, it seems like they've done is they've gone, they've looked at social media and we're could possibly end up being you know taking over society mm. social society um to the point where it's at the most extreme right so your value in the world is based on essentially i mean all of these people in that show were being fake to get more likes to be you know they yeah. were being fake nice to people and which is being, like real life and they were in a way yeah so they've taken it to that extreme and let's and also you mention that there's a particular music funding scheme in new zealand that seems to ask you how many facebook friends you have don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I haven't got a clue. Let's just put that there and let's move on. We'll leave that one right <laughs> there <laughs> and let that gather some. Yeah. yeah. And while you contemplate that, we should also point out that this episode would not be possible if we didn't have the support from our sponsor, Stonefield Basses. Yes. Stonefield Music is a New Zealand-based musical instrument maker producing unique handcraft basses that use responsibly sourced, beautiful timbers, innovative electronics, and a state-of-the-art tailpiece tuning system. Their innovative tuning system, combined with their neutral balance design, makes Stonefield basses more comfortable and ergonomic to play, and more reliable, both on the road and in the studio. Basically what we're saying is they look good, they sound good, they're comfortable to play, what's the fucking problem? <laughs> the only problem is that you haven't checked them out yet. Their top-of-the-line timbers and electronics deliver a classic tone with modern qualities. No matter what style of music you play, Stonefield allows you to craft your own sound with the latest in electric bass. Mm -hmm. Get in touch with them as well. I know that they love to interact. They love to uh, get feedback and so on. So their website is www.stonefieldmusic.com. And so as you mentioned, our guest today is... Nicole Slater, social media and online marketing extraordinaire. Awesome. I'm re yeah. I am really looking forward to it. And I've got a few... I've actually written questions down for this one. Oh, my God. Yeah, I don't normally... Are you normally, feeling okay? Yeah, I don't know what's, what's wrong with me. I was like, <laughs> I need to remember to ask her that. And I need to remember to talk about that. So, um, <laughs> Good. I'll let you lead the way then. No, she's your friend. You talk to her. <laughs> now, let's do this. Don't give up your day job. Oh. 
my God, beautiful. Oh, cool. Thank you. No one's ever said that about my voice before. <laughs> Come on, I say that all the time. Oh, okay. <laughs> Apart from Danny. I'm sorry. <laughs> a lot of the people we talk to are, are mostly uh, known in New Zealand for, for being um, either writers, directors, or as, as Danny explained. Yeah. But we felt like uh, social media is something that it's not really understood that well in uh, professional creative circles in this country. So we're, yeah. we're really happy to talk to someone who knows what they're talking about, <laughs> we're, I assume. Well, it's not really well known necessarily in, in L.A. as well. You know, it's yeah. everyone thinks they can do marketing, but it's the last thing that actually gets done. You know, right. I got to pay my bills. I got to pay rent. This thing is on fire. Oh, shit. I didn't post today. You know, oh, my God, what do I have to post? So yeah. sometimes it's hard to get outside of that and have um, strategy, you know. Yeah. And how did you actually learn these skills um well i was in radio i've been in radio for almost 10 years uh on air and every other job in the radio station besides making music um so that's how i started i was a dj on a hard rock station in reno nevada kdot yeah rock 104.5 and you know there's i just had this epiphany there's hundreds if not thousands of djs out there and they're all pretty good and it's a huge you know competition there's not a lot of radio gigs but Facebook was coming out and Twitter was coming out and all the DJs were asking me since I was so much younger than them, like, how do I post on Facebook? Like, someone said this is important. Teach me how to do this. And I'm like, oh, aha. You know, I can do radio and I can do social media. That's very rare. So uh, that's how it started. So I just started reading and reading blogs like socialmediaexaminer.com and Mashable and all those different stuff and just learning. And it just helped being young because I was a digital native compared to my co- cohorts who were like 50 and 60 and didn't yeah. grow up with it and were afraid of it. And, you know, so how do you condense it down in, in a sort of a bite-sized elevated pitch? If you were to pitch it to someone like an 80-year-old who's never had a Twitter account or a Facebook, how would you explain social media to them? It's definitely a, a challenge. You know, they have to be somewhat computer literate, you know, turn on the computer for you know, to basically understand, but I say, you know, I'm Nicole Slater. I do uh, social media and I'm a branding consultant. Mm-hmm. And what I do is whatever you're passionate about, uh, whether it's music or business or selling tchotchkes, you know, mm-hmm. I make sure the people that care about that find you and that your message gets out there. I help amplify your message online. Back in the day, everyone went to websites and it was all about how many people are going to my website. And I mean, really, why do you go to a website now? You want to know like the hours of operation or what their phone number is or if they have specific, <laughs> you know, you don't go to read someone's bio, you know, you right. go to their LinkedIn profile or you, I always go to the people's Instagram accounts that really gives them a sh- like a kind of a scope of what they're into, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that kind of stuff. Also good if you're dating, you know, you know, Google stock a little bit before make sure they're not a serial killer. So, you know, <laughs> whatever. How many serial killers have you dated? Uh, not that I know of, like, I, I don't know of any serial killers or killers of that any kind, actually. <laughs> right. Uh, but who knows, you know, they could have extracurricular activities. I don't know. Maybe that could be your night. Maybe other yeah. serial activities. I just, I, you know what I do is, uh, up front on a date, I always say that I am a black belt in Taekwondo, which is totally true. <laughs> right. I did, I did Taekwondo for eight years, like semi-competitively. So I just like, I throw that out that just says, up front. <laughs> Hey, if you try to kill me, I might put up a fight. Like, right. doesn't mean you won't win, but like I'm spicy. <laughs> but you, know? you will go down like yeah, with some yeah. trouble. 
It won't exactly. be easy for exactly. you. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so, and uh, you're, this was a, an online dating service that you met this person that you're going to see tonight. But did you uh, do you live online in that regard? And uh, like, is everything you do, everything you interact with the world, is it all done online? Because we're talking to you th- via Skype now. Yeah. Um, yeah. A yes and no. I, I've learned that lesson before. You know, you have to be really careful with what you post online. Yeah. One of my like hard and fast rules is I never take photos of me holding alcohol, uh, you know, just to look more professional. I also learned that the hard way when I was younger, I was like 21 or 22. I was working at a TV station. And, you know, when you're 22, you go out, you go out to bars, you go out to restaurants, you hang out with friends. And I was always posting photos with me in like little martinis and, you know, hanging out with my friends. And then I heard around like the TV station, like, oh, Nicole's the town alcoholic. (laughs) So I'm like, no, they don't understand. I'm just going and meeting friends and having one drink and going home. Uh, But people, perception is reality. And that's both the magic and the horror of social media. (laughs) So I learned really quickly. I'm like, oh, so I just don't do that anymore. Uh, I do live online. I'm on social media way more than I need to be, but it's my job. So I'm always monitoring what's happening for my clients and their comments and how people are interacting. And I'm very specific on what I post myself. Uh, but like my personal life, like really things close to my family stuff, I don't really post about that kind of stuff. It's interesting what you say about the drinking thing because yeah. I think that'll be quite a confusing statement to a lot of the, the people listening here in New Zealand because <laughs> New Zealand is such a drinking culture. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, to, the, yeah. to the point, there's no point like trying to hide it here because everyone at the top is drinking too. Like, yeah, <laughs> but I, I think people are wary of it. Those who are um, in the working world, you know, the pre- professional world who have a job, um, they. <laughs> what do you say? <laughs> as I looked at you. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, they're wary of the fact that, that whatever goes online is easily accessible and it can stay on there forever. Yeah, totally. And. and bosses will go and look at those sorts of things if oh, they're yeah. going to hire someone like right? interviewing yeah, yeah if you're in an yeah. interview for a job they might check yeah. you out so it's, it's good to think about but now it's streaming is huge so facebook right. live is huge instagram live snapchat no matter where you are at any given time in a public setting someone can take video of you without your permission and post it and say something mean about you yeah. you know yeah right. so um there was that case of one of those playboy. Did you hear about this? A Playboy model who she was in the gym oh, yes. and she like yeah. took took the selfie, or the Snapchat, and it was a woman. She's like, "Oh my god, it's so gross!" Yes. And she yeah. sued her, you know, for that as she should. You know, that's that's awful that you're in a private moment undressing in a women's locker room and right, someone's yeah. Snapchatting you. Like, have some boundaries. And, yeah. and she, you know? she's been <laughs> she's been charged with the criminal act, hasn't she? The the play. I think so. Play. I don't remember, yeah. but yeah, something like that. Right. Yeah. yeah. So you just got to be careful how and it's I don't want to live my life where I'm always worried about what people are thinking or if this is going to get online you know thank god I'm not famous you know and I don't have to worry about that no (laughs) one really cares that much what I'm doing I'd like uh, like to get more into the ins and outs of of what you do and everything but I think uh, we should actually go back to where you started because yeah because you're you're an expert in a field that is right now and didn't really exist i guess when you started correct so the the progression of your life so your first thing was radio did you say or was it tv first radio and then i got into tv and realized that was not for me so yeah i started my first job uh i was before i even got into radio i was 19 or 20 i was working as a pharmacy technician at walgreens basically dealing drugs for a living legally (laughs) and uh and this guy just came up and started talking to me he was buying a prescription for his wife who just broke her leg and we just chatting and one of the great things 
that you can learn for your business is networking and just talking to anybody and, you know, just trying to find common ground. He's from Houston. I was born there. He works in music. I love music. And we're just chatting. We had this great conversation and he just hands me his card and says, I think you should come work for my company. I look at his card and it's Sandy Gamblin, general manager of Citadel Broadcasting. I'm like, oh, shit. You know, like, (laughs) okay. You know, and I was still like 19, so I didn't understand like professionalism. So I waited like an entire week to call him back (laughs) because I was just so freaked out at home. I'm like, what do I do? Like, I don't know what this means. Like, you know, freaked out. So I I went in there and interviewed and apparently he's only done that like five times his entire life. So I got this weird (laughs) And you didn't know what the job was at all? Nope. And no one else at the radio station did either. So I went (laughs) and I interviewed with a program director and he's like, he's never done this before. I guess I have to give you a job. Like, (laughs) are you, you know, you weigh like 115 pounds. You can't carry anything. You don't, you're not, you know, like there's nothing I can do. I was basically totally useless. Make coffee. Uh, But yeah, exactly. And uh, so he was very disgruntled and annoyed (laughs) about this expense. And then I just started saying that, you know, I'm good at websites He's like, oh, well, that's interesting. And they told me to read some code and I could read it. And he's like, oh, great. I'll just hire you as my webmaster because that's a position we actually, you know, this was like 2006. So how, he's how, like, that's how, a position did, we need. Where did you learn that? I took one class in high school. Right. That's it. So I completely lied that I knew how to do that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I needed to provide some kind of value really quickly. <laughs> so when so, you said you could uh, read the code, you kind of faked that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I could read the code, but it was just brief like the codes like image src so that's the you know pretext to an image and you right. see the http so it's like oh and that says text equals black so i'm like oh that's the font color you know like the <laughs> i was just lucky that the, the code was pretty easy yeah so uh yeah that's where it started and they made me my first job in radio was like at 20 um full-time with benefits as a webmaster for four radio stations <laughs> so i was just wow. way over my head so the yeah. whole time i just spent googling how to code how to build websites how to you know you fake it till you make it that's like my you know everyone's absolutely little you know and this is what did works. you say 2005 did you say roughly yeah, around that time or six yeah so this is right so, right before social media really took off isn't it yeah, like my, so MySpace one of my first was about jobs, around back then, right? MySpace was yeah. big. So one of my first jobs was like designing our profile picture for MySpace for Wild 1029, you yeah. know. <laughs> so I had Black Eyed Peas on there and Aaliyah and uh, Rihanna and stuff like that. So it was interesting. Yeah. So yeah, that was my first job. So I just started there. And then from there, started teaching myself other areas. Because in radio, if you only know how to do one thing, you're going to get fired. When budget cuts come around, you have to do five things. Right. So I became a promotion assistant and a production assistant and a traffic assistant and the, became that like, oh my God, this is broken, Nicole, go figure it out and fix it. Yeah. And you be, you provide value that way. And mm-hmm. and how long did you work there at the, at the first mm. station? Like a year or two. I wanted to go back to school and finish uh, my degree because yeah. um, I took some time off and somehow they weren't into like me going back to college they had no interest in me working after five o'clock uh so they're just like f you basically (laughs) and uh i was like okay fine whatever i went back to school and then i came back it was interesting because when i started here i came back you know to the same radio station and that job was already you know filled up a year later right so then i really had to start at the bottom making like two dollars less an hour 
as a, a remote tech. So you just go out and you lift heavy things and you set up tents and you hand out stickers at farmers markets and you smile and give out swag and go to car dealers in the sun. It was awful. And was this was uh, this all part of your personality already? You know, this outgoing thing connecting no, with you know? <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm very I'm very introverted. If I know you I'll talk to you like all day. Yeah. But if I don't it was definitely stepping outside of my bounds. But it, it was good practice. You know, yeah. everyone wants free stuff. So it's it's kinda easy. They'll come by the table, hey, here's a free you know, enter to win, you know, a car or something like that. Yeah. So it was fun. You know, it was good. And then just kept working my way up and realized I really wanted to get on air. So just started teaching myself found another uh, DJ that would teach me how to record and stuff and then just literally spent 100 hours after work for free teaching myself how to be a DJ and uh, getting really good, made a demo tape and shopped it around the station. They had no positions open, so I just got up and went across the street and said, you should hire me. And uh, and they did. It was I was shocked. Wow. <laughs> so they're, they're like, this is actually pretty good. So then I became a DJ. For, and what was the show uh, you were DJing? So my first DJ thing was like nights uh, at a country radio station, country music. Yep. And then the station lasted for three weeks and then it went <laughs> under and got turned to ESPN Deportes, which I was not qualified to be a DJ for because I Don't didn't speak, speak Spanish. Spanish and didn't know anything about <laughs> about about sports yeah. so they switched me over to the hard rock station so i grew up on like simon and garfunkel ccr like kind of soft you know rock right and now i'm playing avenge sevenfold and metallica <laughs> and all this death metal and i am not the poster child for this so again you just have to lean in and step in and this is an area uh, of was, music where the fans like they're it's like cult almost they Oh they my god! That, they know, know every song. Yeah. They know every word. And here I am mispronouncing. I'm like, next up is Dio, and they're like, call it in, you fucking idiot, you know, you know. So it was good. It was good. So then that's when I started having that realization. Like I need to specialize in something else. You know, I don't. Reno is market 126 in radio, and uh, so they go between one, which is New York, LA you know, Bay Area, and then all the way down to Reno, and then it goes to, like, market 300-something. Right. So we were, like, a small market, and I decided I need to get out of here. Like, I'm going to die in Reno. Like, so that's when getting to L.A., you know, started becoming uh, more of my plan. Which is a recent thing, right? Kind of. I've been at four years, so oh, I, okay, right. I, yeah, ish. You know, I left Reno four years ago, yep. and so I lived in L.A. for two years, mm-hmm. I got a job as a digital director at Go Country 105 yep. and, you know, managed seven radio stations. Again, way out of my league, and but di- just di- figured it out. What's a digital director? Uh, so I handled, I taught the DJs how to use Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Yep. I set up best practices. I monitored and posted all the social media. Um, and then I was kind of like the journalist for the radio station. So wherever the morning show went, I would video it, edit it. Um, you know, post on social media, do streaming, all that kind of stuff, anything digital. Right. And then also I sold to uh, record companies and said, hey, you know, buy a block of our online banner ads on our website. This many people go here. So I was also, I was doing tons of stuff. Yeah. So that's what it, good question though, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's just one of those terms you get used to, I guess, if you're in the, yeah. if you're in the game. Jargon. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. But then you, you, so you're in LA for a couple of years and then I'm, I actually remember you telling me this story and I, I'm trying to get my memory to kick back in, but you went somewhere and it, I went to San Diego and it was, yeah. and it wasn't, it didn't work it was out. Awful. It was awful. Yeah. 
<laughs> I'm I'm the only person in America that thinks San Diego is awful. It's a wonderful <laughs> town. It's beautiful. The people are nice. If you are married and have kids or over fifty, like or sixty, like and want to retire, that is like the place. Right. But if you're like full of piss and vinegar and want to go see live music and like something seedy and kind of fun and interesting and culturally different, yeah. You know, San Diego's a little whitewashed. You know, it's <laughs> it's. It's a little boring out there. So, so, yeah, no, it was great. I went to Slacker Radio, became their man- marketing manager, and loved my experience there, but realized I am not well-equipped to work for a tech company, you right. know, with software engineers and uh, back-end and front-end developers. And, you know, I'm much a more social person. Yeah. And uh, so then went over to House of Blues and loved that job as well and got to work in a live music venue. Yeah, so tell, tell us a bit about that because that's a legendary place. It's a whole, di- yeah, 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 whole different world. So yeah. yes, um, House of Blues has thirteen different properties. They're owned by Live Nation. Yeah, they were started by Dan Aykroyd mm-hmm. and another person, and they are a great place to go see a live concert. And they usually the venues around fifteen hundred. Ours I think was twelve hundred seater. So it's great to go like get up close and see Marilyn Manson, you know, in yeah. a small venue and that kind of stuff. Yeah. And it, live venues are a totally different world than radio. Uh, it's a lot nittier and grittier and urban. We, we're downtown and you have to deal with homeless people. You have to deal with, you know, drunk patrons yeah. and, you know, uh, issues and fights and, you know, slayers playing and everyone shoving each other. And, so you're in, you know, are you in L.A. at this time? A rough and tumble. Yeah, House so now I'm back yeah. in L.A. Yeah, the, yeah, so House of Blues, L.A. Or there multiple of No, I work uh, for myself now. So yeah. I was work at Oh, sorry. I, I mean I mean yeah, where was the House of Blues that you worked at? Oh, in San Diego. San Diego. All oh, right. Okay. So, yeah. So, uh, yeah, no I worked I lived in San Diego for 2 years and yep. House of Blues was great. Realized being in a live venue, I like working 9 to 5 in the morning. I don't, you know, like working nights every night. So, yeah. Uh, in my business, I was doing social media and branding consulting on the side. It was growing so much. You know, I was like, okay, I give myself like one month to really promote my business. Let's try to get as many clients as I have, you yeah. know, can. And I was like, let's just test the waters before I like quit my job and don't have any money and move back to LA. Let's, you know, let's test it. So I had two major clients at that time that bringing in good money. And then in one month I picked up six clients. Sheesh. So I like, yeah. So quadrupled my business. I'm like, well, crap, like, I have to service these clients. I have to provide them a service. I'm working full time and, you know, I grew way more than I was expecting and I got this flush of, you know, cash coming in. So, uh, you know, I got an assistant to help out and manage some of those and then just start, I'm like, this is going to work. You right. know, I just realized this live venues are great, but not my jam. I want to be my own boss. I'm yep. an entrepreneur and this is a service that's totally needed. I'm going to specialize in the music industry and work with pro audio and uh, engineers and producers. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so I just saw that niche and I just grew it and saved all of my money. And it's like, see you later. Love you. Gotta go. And then came back to LA and then grew even more. So now I'm up to 10 clients. Fantastic. So. And, it, and what made you choose LA over some of the other hotspots, Nashville, New York, or Chicago, or wherever else? It's where all my connections are. This is where the music industry is, you know, especially yeah. if you want to work, you know, with engineers, producers, recording studios, mm. there's just so much connection here and that's where all my friends are. Yeah. So I just really miss my friends and miss the community. And it's, there's, as you know, you've, you've visited, that's how we met. Yep. Like there's a liveliness to it when yeah. you're driving through Hollywood. LA is this place where everyone is trying to make something out of themselves. Everyone is a dreamer. Right. Yes, they're totally disillusioned and uh you know they've been trying to 
be a, be an actor for 20 years but they're still like holding on to that dream and there's something really magical about that yeah, yeah. and there's that energy and i just haven't found that anywhere else new york has a lot of energy as well but it's it's completely different mm. so and i, I, don't lo- know, I, I love energy- the, i love the social scene in, yeah, in Hollywood there's too. tons of stuff to do. Yeah. You know, like Alex, our, our mutual friend, has something going on every night. I call him. I'm like, what should I be doing? You know, like it's <laughs> Tuesday night, you know, and yeah. he'll tell me three different things I can do, you know, that night. What's it? What's the energy like in New Zealand? You know, as because I've never visited. I'm coming to visit. I will visit. I promise. Yeah. But until I do, like, give me the, you, the social scene of New Zealand. It's, uh, it's, it's like a, a, it's like a small town. I think well, is the way you, to put it. you can say that, but. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, when I was in the, I live out of the central city, and Auckland is our big, Auckland's our biggest city. Mm-hmm. That's where we live. Yeah, um, and, and where we're recording this podcast from. Uh, but I came into the city for for one night for a, uh, an event, and the city was alive. It was it was humming. It was mm. pumping. And I think Justin Bieber was in town that night. Ooh, um, there was <laughs> my another... friend is his tour manager. Oh, oh really? <laughs> okay. Yeah. I, the, apparently, he um, he really shit the bed on that concert. He wasn't. Is that, a, is that a good thing or a bad thing? That's a bad thing. It's right, like okay. jumping the shark, you okay. know, nuking J- the jump, fridge. Are you making these up as we go? Or? Yep. No, okay. no. They're, right. they're, I don't they're know any of these terms. You don't no. know that? Jumping <laughs> the shark? I don't, I don't think he does no. either. Uh, <laughs> you know Fonzie in Happy Days, that, that episode where he was on the water skis and he jumped over the shark. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, that vaguely rings a bell. Well, so that basically <laughs> that's a term for like you really went way over the top and so maybe that's not quite describing what, what, Bieber's concert. the shit the bed thing? I mean... Shit the bed. I've heard talk about people bombing. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. I don't much. know right. what that means either. Yeah. Bo- yes. oh, is bombing not a term? No, shit in no, the bed. Bombing, bombing yeah, yeah, yeah. Shitting yeah. the bed. Shit the bed, that's... Yeah, so essentially he just... He, he, that sounds awful. He fucked it, it up. It just sounds awful. Yeah. So anyway, the city was pumping, but there are a lot of times where it just seems like a sleepy old... There's not much going on. There are gigs here and there. There might be a comedy show. There might be a... A live um, band playing somewhere, but sure, LA and, and and New York they're vibrant. There's always something going on, but that might be a population thing. I think it's also yeah. you know, what the culture in those places is around. It's what you know. I mean, it's, it's it's probably quite unfair to compare Auckland to somewhere like Hollywood because mm. it's not supposed to be the same, really. You know what I mean? But it aspires yeah. to be a creative international city, you know? And, well, it and I think yeah, it's it, might, sort of, it might want to be. <laughs> yeah, but no, I, th- I, think, I think definitely think it's heading in that direction. And you know, we have our transport issues. We, yeah. you know, we clog up, and that's, that's a major um, problem for us. But um, we're more and more becoming a destination for, uh, for big acts to come along and do, sure, do but things. I, what I like about LA is that like, we can go out without really knowing what we're doing that night. Yes. Yeah. You, know, you, just you can go, have an adventure. Yeah, right. you just go and meet someone somewhere and yeah. then you'll end up going to seven more places. Yeah, right. And none of it's planned and it's all off the cuff and yeah. you bump into yeah. the same people all the time and meet new people all the time. It's just like yeah. it's really... Right, I think in New, Ze- in New Zealand you go, right, I'm buying tickets for this yeah. thing six months from now and that's the thing that you do that night. You might meet for a drink beforehand, but that's it. Yeah, yeah. no, that makes sense. It also depends. I mean, I don't think that's necessarily a typical experience in LA. Knowing someone like Alex, who's very connected and right. has all these offshoots, makes it so. You know, finding an influencer makes it so much easier. Yeah. When I was living in Reno and I, I was visiting LA because I wanted to move here so bad, I was coming every quarter, but I didn't know any of those influencers. So I knew like one or two people, but it wasn't. It, it, it can be an incredibly lonely city at the same time if if you're not clued in. But sure. once you get that one person, like you just take advantage of that and just like, okay, they'll introduce you to another person and I'll just, you know, snowball from that. So but perhaps it my like- experience of Hollywood isn't actually very like, like um, a general experience. I just happen to have met the right people. 
Yeah, but that, exactly. But the same yeah. is true in the social media world, world right? Influencers have a yeah. really big part to play in um, in people engaging in particular websites or or, um, or even a post on Facebook. Yeah. So I just picked up a new client um, who's a hotel company. And so that's what they're looking for in their strategy is to find in social media influencers, people in travel and fitness and health and, you know, get them to do like these micro these micro bloggers, essentially, to come and stay at the hotel. And then in exchange, you know, just share their experience. Mm, and right. it's really interesting and fun. And they bring, you know, these different groups. You know, have you ever seen that Instagram that's completely curated and everything is perfect and beautiful? Yeah. And, you know, it, <laughs> I admire that. And I also like, oh, my God, who has that much time? Like, you know, <laughs> yeah. it's just it's 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 rough. I, I think it's important to keep a balance between perfectly manicured and like, you know, right. I'm up at 2 a.m. because I'm having an anxiety attack and I don't yeah. know where my next rent paycheck is. You know, there's, there's two different types of people. <laughs> people kind of online where the people that share t way too much that you don't need to know about yeah. and the people that just pretend like everything is perfect when you know it's not yeah. so like it's good to like kind of weave or somewhere the, uh, in, the the humble in between brag of those two is one of those things that gets yeah. me the um but talking about those true and real experiences do you think like a, a facebook page like um for instance uh humans of new york that, love that yeah right so the engagement there is that what do you think it is that drives people to to engage with that page is it the true human stories or is there something else going on there well it's just the fact that they they say the truth and it's always it's not the pretty truth like a right. lot of the things that they post are probably things that you have thought about or felt but you've never shared with somebody and the idea that this stranger essentially can go up and talk to people and get this wonderful candid photo but also interview like i always mm. wanted to like follow them along and see like how do you do how do you get people to tell you their life story about their mom leaving because she was a drug addict when she was there you know like mm, yeah. they, they, it, and then there's always like this little bit of hope you know somewhere in there which i also it's uh, talking about the resiliency of you know the human spirit, and it really strikes a chord. They do it so well, and I wish more brands would kind of connect with that. And, and, and what, that honesty point. What do you think it is that is striking that chord? Is it that people are just connecting with honest truth, uh, and then you have those other brands who, like you say, can curate a post that just looks curated. And are people picking up on that and becoming more cynical towards the more curated yeah. type things? And I, I think you're like what you're you're essentially asking is like is it all worth it like is all this energy and effort and curation like worth it you know I mm. I don't know for for I can just speak from my personal experience I got into this thing where I really wanted ten thousand in uh, Twitter followers I, I assumed that I would be a legitimate person <laughs> if I had ten thousand followers and I didn't want to you know take a shortcut I wanted to like grow it naturally so it's been an entire year. And just posting tons of social media articles, I hired somebody to help me like research, and I was just like this constant stream of this is what's happening in social media and interacting with other influencers. And I totally gained, I got up to seven thousand. I think that's where I'm I'm at now. Right. But I never got a job from that. I never got uh, someone like emailing me or messaging me. No one came to my website. Yeah, you know, maybe like two people. So it was great to put that information out there. But I think a lot of people are just spewing out information and not no one's really no one really cares, you know, right. so it's like that delicate balance of 
providing value and then also being realistic and saying, oh, well, you know, maybe no one needs 15 social media articles a day. Maybe no one really cares that much. What what, what are the uh, the top attributes that a good social media post has that that people can, um, you know, tip that you can give some people? I think the best thing to think of is that everyone has a unique life and your life is interesting to someone else. So if you are a musician and you live in Los Angeles, even you going to auditions or, you know, playing at a local bar at an open mic night might not be impressive to you because, you know, that's your life and you're used to it. But there's someone in Ohio or in the Midwest who works at a paint store yeah. that is wants to move to Los Angeles and thinks it's so cool that you followed your dream and you're doing it, you know. Right. So you just have to present your life, take people along the journey of what you do and, you know present what you're doing with your life. What's your passion? What dreams are you following? You know, and take people along that journey. I feel like people really resonate with that and think it's interesting. Yeah. You know, That's a not good just point. I'm perfect. I'm perfect. I'm perfect. Yeah. It's no, my life is really hard. I'm struggling, but I still love playing guitar and I'm playing at this local mic and you're totally welcome to come on mm. the live stream it. So that guy in Ohio can, you know, watch. That's a good point. Cause I've often thought about how us and, mm. and, and the circles that we're in, it's like we get so used to what we do that it doesn't seem like a big deal anymore. Yeah, that's true. And yeah. And, yeah. and yeah, you just like learning to see it from the outside perspective. Yeah, and then someone comes up and tries to talk to you about it and you're a little bit kind of nonchalant about it. You always it. blow it off. And, you then, go, well, and they, they think you're an arrogant yeah. prick for doing that because right. you're kind of like, well, it, it's just normal for me. I do this all the yeah. time kind yeah. of thing. Whereas yeah. they're really excited to talk to a musician who does it live and makes a living from it. Right. And um, getting, back totally. to, getting back to that organic thing we were talking about before, um, the authenticity, I think, is something that is, holds a lot of value these days. And my, my opinion for why is because of the amount of stuff out there that is not yeah. you know, real, or, real or at least it's puffed up and made up and whatever. And so when you've got like uh, albums that are fully auto-tuned and everything and you know, that versus just hearing someone's raw voice, you know. Yeah. Or, or a raw opinion, which is what you were referring to a second ago. Um, I, I, I assume you agree that authenticity now is actually important. Oh, it's totally important. It's definitely a big buzzword in branding and yep. social media and marketing. Everyone be authentic, which is kind of hard to manufacture. <laughs> you know, it's it's this interesting. How do, how do I live a more authentic life? Yeah. You know, but just for you guys, like to put it into context, the fact that I'm on this awesome New Zealand podcast is so cool to me and rare. I'm like, oh my god, New Zealand. That's so far away. You know, mm. it's totally interesting. I told a couple of my friends, and they were all like totally impressed. Versus <laughs> maybe on your side, you're like, oh crap, we're stuck in New. Zealand, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. no, who's going to care about this? But to me, it's like, it's totally exotic, you know, because yeah. I've never been there. And I, I find it totally interesting. So, you know, it, you're interesting to somebody and you got to find your niche and, uh, and connect and engage with those fans. Right. And, and so what are the uh, some of the, the big social media trends that are coming out? I mean, these platforms, they seem to come and go. MySpace is gone practically, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah. totally. And that was a platform set up for musicians and, and entertainers. But, Comedians, um, yeah. And are people moving away from Facebook? I mean, you, you talk, you've talked a lot about Instagram. Uh, is that yeah. the big thing coming through now and Snapchat or are we still – is Facebook still the king of the, the pile there? Well, Facebook right now, I mean, like – billion over a billion people use facebook so that it is the big you know gorilla in the room if you're a business and you have a business page it is a hundred percent pay to play you need to boost your posts or do social media you know campaigns to reach people 
Um, so that's very frustrating, I think, for a lot of musicians and mm. people coming up in the industry that like, I, oh, I can post for free on Twitter, Instagram and Snapchat. But to reach the people that are following me, I have to pay on Facebook. So I think they're kind of shooting themselves in the foot with that. Right. Be interesting how that turns out. Yeah. Um, do you, down do the you road. Think, do you but, think that we, they might may not be as like anything like what they are now? in let's say 10 years do you think you're I think on the way they out? have to change you know yeah. especially without really going down the rabbit hole of politics because yeah. I really try to avoid it but this concept of fake news and all these articles and everyone so at least in the US right now are so polarized yeah. like they love Trump or they hate Trump or they think this or they think that and I, I can't believe this person it's just everyone's yelling at each other it's becoming kind of like this Craigslist forum right you know where it's just I don't even like enjoy going on Facebook anymore because there's just so much crap. Yeah. Like I just want to go back to kind of happier days of I eat toast for breakfast and look at my cat video, you know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but you know, uh, or, Twitter, or at least that conversation should be quieter yeah. and more intellectual. Or just than, more listening to other exactly. people rather than just shouting, you right. know, what they believe and not listening. I just want a conversation, not two people shouting at each exactly. other. In that regard, um, do you think Trump is ruining Twitter? I don't know. He's definitely bringing uh, light to it. Uh, Twitter uh, is, they've had a lot of issues with their management and their executive. Uh, Their stock is in the dumper. You know, people who use it are fanatical about it, but it's not necessarily widespread. And it's fun. If you have an, uh, if there's an earthquake, like that's a big thing in Los Angeles. And I will get on and do hashtag LA earthquake and I'll see everyone's response. Or if if there is a a breaking news story, there is nothing better than Twitter. No other service does real, you know, fast, quick news like Twitter does. If something bad is happening or you're at a concert or you're tweeting along while you're watching the Walking Dead premiere, that is is awesome. Right. Uh, but other than just like regular life, it it doesn't serve a purpose to me. Instagram, I think, is still for right now. You can get a lot, a huge following with using hashtags and following other people, and you know, posting interesting, fun, dynamic photos. Yeah. I think that's where if you want to like gain a following, concentrate on Instagram right now as much as you can and post every day. Um, it really, really helps. Mm. Um, and then Snapchat is great if you're 18 to 24. Um, you know, it's a great platform. They have all these fun filters and things to do. I got frustrated with Snapchat because a lot of people would send me personal messages, but it's just what's on their story. They're just like, hey, I'm at the store buying groceries. I'm like, why are you sending me a snap of that? Like, I don't care. You know, <laughs> it'd be cool if they, it was designed to think more to like send hey, Nicole, how are you? You know, and a smiley face and like a personal private message. But people just push their normal stories to all their friends. Yeah. And I just, you know, it, it just got annoying. And also to build a story, it, it takes seven things, you know, or I, I just made that number up. But let's <laughs> say you're like at House of Blues and you're you're showing a concert and you're like, okay, you're bef- here's the tickets, you know, here's before the show. Oh, they're about to come on. And then you're like, oh, first song. And then them waving goodbye and then you like getting the uber and that's it's just a lot of work it's mm. a constant snapping to build one story right. versus instagram you can kind of tell something or facebook or twitter you can tell things in just one small sound bite you yeah know? i have to say i i don't even really know much about snapchat i guess that's just way too yeah. <laughs> for the youth i guess so i'm a social media person i do this for a living it took me like three days to like figure out snapchat right. it's not intuitive i felt so 
old. I'm 30. <laughs> and I felt so old because all these like little 18 year olds are like snapping and, and I'm like, how do you do that? You know, it's not necessarily intuitive. So I had to watch like YouTube videos on it yeah. to get all the tips and tricks. So that was a little <laughs> frustrating for me that I'm a professional and couldn't figure it out. Uh, but you know, they just went public and that's huge news. You yeah. know, they're getting a lot of capital. Facebook offered to buy them for like $2 billion and they said no. You know? <laughs> wow. They said no to two, like over $2 billion. The CEO's like 24, you know, at that time. So uh, they're building their own company and becoming this juggernaut. So they, uh, they have potential to rival Facebook. Absolutely. Yeah. Who knows? They're, they're a camera company, you know, they're trying to put out spectacles that take video and stuff like that. Right. Okay. And what would be the, uh, there are so many platforms, obviously, we've mentioned almost all of the main ones. Uh, yeah. I don't think we mentioned Vine, but that's, is that still around? I've never heard of Vine. I think that's, Vine video yeah, Vine or was, Periscope. Yeah, well. that's okay. kind of over, yeah. Periscope's kind of over, over because yeah. Facebook Live, Facebook is putting millions of dollars in advertising, especially in LA. I see the, the videos uh, or the commercials and the posters everywhere. They want people to use Facebook Live because Snapchat, Instagram, Twitter, they all have now live streaming. Like and Periscope YouTube is for well. Twitter. Yeah. Uh, can you do live I, I think YouTube you do live streaming? YouTube now, yeah. yeah. Really? I'm pretty sure I saw that. I'm, uh, maybe I'm. I thought I saw Alex Probably. Jones had done one. Because yeah. um, I, of course, I follow Alex Jones. Who's Alex Jones? Okay, there you go. Um, Game of Thrones guy. I don't no, know either. nothing about Alex Jones. He's the um, he's the extreme right wing guy that Trump listens to. Oh, right. conspiracy theorist guy but I'm pretty sure <laughs> oh. he did a live he's doing live it might be a new thing on YouTube but but uh, the point or the question I had was uh, what are the main ones that people should be involved in if they're wanting to reach build and reach an audience uh, for their music yeah. or well, I, if they're if they're a musician, they should have a SoundCloud account, you know, so people can go listen to their music, uh, or a Reverb Nation or Bandcamp, somewhere where people can get all their you know information in one place. Mm-hmm. Um, Facebook is good. It's not necessarily necessary, but it, you know, I always say that if you have enough time to do, do as many as you have time to do. If you only have time to do one, then just do one and do it really, really well. Um, you know, so it's it's. That makes sense. It's kind of hard. You yeah. know, a lot of people are like, sign up for everything. You know, when Google Plus was a thing and Pinterest and this, I'm like, why are you signing up if you're a heavy metal band for Pinterest? That's like 80% <laughs> women like planning their wedding. Right. So like, that's not your demo, you know. Yeah. So just make sure you know what age group your demo is. And, you know, if you are a 60-year-old singer-songwriter, then Facebook's a great place because, you know, it swings a little bit older. So you might want to try to use your personal page with your 5,000 friends first to like really leverage that, mm. you know, before you do a business page. Because once you do a business page, you know, you're going to have to pay essentially. So See, my main, my main question for you that I want to, you know, raise on this episode, which Bobby sort of almost went there a second ago, is, is firstly, how do you um, navigate your way through all of the different opinions out there about what you're supposed to do? about yeah. which, which ones to be on and you know do you post three it's times confusing. a day or once a week or what like all these these supposed experts putting all these opinions out there and who do you listen to and what do you do and then how do you uh measure results how do you figure out the conversion 
Those are two great questions. So I really like to keep it simple. Mm -hmm. So I say, you know, one post a day per platform that you do. So just start there because most people are not in the habit of taking photos and posting every day. So just if you're you're starting from ground zero, then post once a day per platform. That's not too and much? No. Okay. No. And then, uh, you know, a lot of face, you know, Facebook, you'll see a lot of other people in the timeline too, depending on how many friends you have. So it's, it's to me, it's not too much. You know, Twitter, you could tweet like a hundred times a day and no one would care, you know, right. but just let's start with one time a day per platform. Um, and also, uh, for Twitter and Instagram, follow 30 people a day. So find people that would be interested in your music, find other musicians that, um, are similar to you and look at their followers and start following their followers. Or if you're a business, if you're a tire company and you sell tires, find the competitor and go, you know, follow their followers. So you're following people that are in your niche that are interested in what you're doing. Right. That's like step, step number two and yep. start interacting and maybe not just follow their followers, go to their first photo and see the people who liked it and commented on it. So, you know, those are people who are active on Instagram versus someone who just, you know, to set up account and hasn't posted in two years. So you don't really know. Yeah. So, um, you know, that's step two and then really start getting strategic. So creating a content calendar is something really easy that you can do. So every day of the week has something different. So hashtag, you know, start with Monday, hashtag music Monday, post a song that, you know, or an artist that you're really inspired by, or maybe share some of your music. Tuesday post, you know, what's happening in the music industry and streaming rights and artist rights or news about what's going on. You know, Wednesday, you know, do something silly. You know, Thursday, do a throwback Thursday photo of you when you're 10 on a guitar and <laughs> your underwear looking like risky business, you know. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, and just be fun. And every day theme something out. You know, Friday is Fan Appreciation Friday. And, you know, to give a shout out to one of your biggest fans and a photo of you guys together yeah. post your music videos on saturday you know i'm just like spitballing ideas here yeah but it really helps when you're you're tired and you are maybe you're on tour or you're just running a full-time job and trying to be a musician on the side you know like okay go to your calendar every day monday and it, even set calendar reminders which really help mm. Mm. and then if you have a little extra money hire someone like me this is not a pitch for my services but i'm just saying like hire an assistant who can just post for you. So then you don't have to worry about it, you right. know, or yeah. schedule it. You can schedule using Hootsuite or Buffer something a month in advance, you know, if it's not topical. So, you know, just get that stuff in there and then you just don't have to worry about it. Yeah. Just worry about like, hey, thanks for following or, you know, like a couple of photos. What's the, um, you know, the, the thing about the call to action and you're in getting people to engage is there a fine line between sounding really desperate to get that stuff, uh, people to, to be involved or doing it naturally? Or is it just something you have to do? You have to get engagement and you have to ask people to engage. So a lot of people are very uncomfortable with the idea of self-promotion. I'm sure probably in, in New Zealand is part of the culture as well as oh, being yes. boisterous and like, you know, buy very my CD, so. you know, <laughs> so it's, it's very counter to what you grew up with. And so what you have to remember, just because you talk about yourself online doesn't mean you're a car salesman. It's just like, Sunday, 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 buy this car, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but everyone's seen that person online who's just like, buy my CD, buy my T-shirt, you know, go to my concert. And it's just like, ugh, yeah. you know? There's there's more to your life. So I have a 50-50 rule. 50% about you and 50% fluff. You need stuff that's kind of about the music industry or things that are related to you, right. but not you know, a call to action. So, you know, just like a funny, you know, video or photo or like 
hey, how are you guys having a bad day? You know, maybe this will cheer you up, you know, and some crazy cat video or something. <laughs> um, you know, just something to mix it up and provide value. That's what you're looking at. Like, why would people follow you? What mm. value are you giving them? What can you give to help them? Like, are you a struggling musician too? Here's an article with five tips, you know, on how to make it, you know, yeah. or something like that. So just providing value to your audience really helps. And just keeping that balance. It's not all about me. I'm not self-obsessed. But also the people understand you have to promote it. No one's going to know that you're having a gig Friday night if you don't tell them about it. Right. Mm. So create a Facebook event and send it you know, via instant messenger and just say, hey, just let you know. My gig's Friday. Hope to see you. You know, Would love to catch up. You know, Write a little personal note. Different things like that, yeah. you know. And then, and, and then, what are your opinions on how how to measure the conversion and the results and stuff? I mean, my, my attitude to it is, from a business point of view, um, you know, thinking about what you actually want to achieve. You know, do you want to drive sales? Exactly. So you try, you know, what are you trying to do? And I think in the entertainment world, we often haven't really thought to the end of the process. We're just throwing stuff out there, and we don't quite know what we're trying to do. Uh, yeah. I mean, if you're a musician, the first thing you should do is just like, where do you want to go with this? Everyone's like, oh, I want to be rich and famous, yeah. you know? Okay. Well, what does that really look like? Right. You know, what level, there's a lot of different levels of rich and famous. Mm. There's like Stevie Wonder famous. <laughs> and there's like that guy that got a record deal famous. And then there's a guy who's just famous in New Zealand and like makes a really good living and just kind of tours there and like Australia, and, mm. like that's their world. Yeah. So what does rich and famous mean to you? How dedicated are you to real? Is this just a garage band that you just want to drink beer and like have a Saturday night gig and, you know, hit on chicks and stuff <laughs> but you know so just kind of determine where you want to be and maybe you don't know and that's totally okay but just have some kind of vision of what the end game is and, and what level you want to get to that yeah and that should dictate your social media strategy you right. know if you're just a bar band and just you know have a full-time job and just want to have fun on the weekends and blow off steam you know you don't have to take social media that it's all about getting people to come to your gig and have a, a pint and hang out, you yeah. know. But if you like want to shop for a record deal and get signed and tour, you need to have your shit together, and you need a following because record companies are not going to even look at you mm. if you don't have a lot of following because they want butts and seats. How many people can you bring to? A venue how many people will buy your cd so the more followers you have the more likely you are to even have a conversation so if you're in la and you bump into a record exec or an a and r guy you know they're like hey how many followers do you have oh i have a hundred thousand and you know i just packed two theaters and you know check out my instagram and it's all looks professional and it looks like you have your stuff together they're gonna take you a whole lot more seriously it's gonna you know the record companies invest a lot of money into the artists mm. And most of them are losing deals when you're thinking from a business perspective. Yeah. So try to take that into account of how you approach your social media and how professional and serious you are about it. You know? And Facebook has a lot of that back-end insight kind of um, capability that mm -hmm. you can look at metrics that we, we mentioned earlier. Um, but also there's, you can either build brand awareness or build a campaign around um, uh, you know, a, a particular gig or what have you. So brand mm -hmm. awareness or, or um, boosting something or rather, and there's two different things there. But what, what's the what's the um, the main insight that people kind of because it's quite confusing when you go into the insights. What are the main kind of things people should be looking for that they can that will give them the 
um, something to build on or hang their their approach on. Yeah, insights can be confusing because there's for me it's easy because I'm used to all that jargon. But if you don't know what impressions are versus clicks versus you know conversions and all that kind of stuff, so the things you kind of look at is if you run a campaign. Um, I mean, how nerdy do we want to get here? So I think we should go full nerd. Full nerd. Okay. <laughs> yeah. If you're going to run a social media campaign with Facebook advertising, there's a couple things you're going to look at. CPC is one term. It's called cost per click. Mm -hmm. So if you're getting people to go to your website, um, you know, how much money does it cost per click for, you know, a dollar or 30 cents or, or whatever, you know, um, there's CPM, which is a different type of metric. It's cost per thousand. The M stands for melee, uh, which is Latin for thousand. Mm -hmm. And that's like a thousand eyeballs, you know, a thousand people. How much did it cost for a thousand people to see it? Right. But you have to also understand that just because they saw it doesn't mean they took it in. Like how many times do you scroll down Facebook and there's ads on the right or, you know, things pop up and you don't even pay attention to yeah. them. So technically that's an impression. That's, a, that's an eyeball, but it uh, doesn't mean that they took it in. So, so that, clicks are good because... that reach, is it? You've reached them, but you haven't yeah. necessarily engaged to them. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so then they have a bunch of other metrics, like how many people commented, you know, how many people shared or liked. Those are kind of things that you want to see. I like to do an A-B test. So if you're going to do, you know, buy my buy my single or so, or let's do, come to my show. Let's, that's an easy one. So have the same picture... And just do a different message and run two different ads and have the same targeting and see which one gets more clicks or which gets more engagements or have the same, you know, wording, but have different images. So just change one thing, just like a scientific experiment where you have a control and then you have something that's different. Yeah. So just run those and, you know, put 50 bucks behind it, you know, something small. So you can just before do this micro testing to see what is really hitting and, and what makes people interested in it. And then put your money into that, you know, whatever works. You know, it's really good just to do these little small tests on wording or photos and that kind of stuff before you put $2,000 or whatever, $500 into it, you know. Mm. It, it sounds like it's a good idea to hire someone like you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because I'm thinking like, man, we've got to also be good musicians and yeah, so it takes a lot of time to yeah. do that and do spreadsheets and write down the metrics. Yeah. And that's why I'm easy. It's easy for me. But for, you know, again, if you're a bar band in New Zealand, you're like, oh, God, that's that's a lot of work. You know, right. right. And when do you find time to actually play and practice? You know, I mean, this, I, yeah. I thought about this quite a lot, you know, in the old industry in the past, you could just be a guitar player and, you <laughs> yeah. know, you just someone will tell you where to go and all right, go there. And uh, yeah. but these days we've got to do admin and marketing and, and all these these other things. And well, it's, it's good to delegate in the band. You know, if it's not a one person thing and if it's an actual band, everyone should have a job. Right. So you know, some one person, whoever's gifted with social media, they should be responsible for that. One person should be like, go call and try to get gigs, and you know, where yeah. can we do that? And scheduling another person, you know, will you know be the tour manager and the logistics of a tour and. You know, if, you know, you got to delegate that so everyone has a responsibility um, and can chip in. You know, yeah. yeah. And you've now you've now been alongside so many artists. I saw you posted recently a photo of you and um, Incubus, which is cool. I like, yeah, I really, I really like those guys. Um, yeah, they were fun. So they were really nice. I guess you've seen the best and the worst examples of internal workings. 
Yeah. So here's one of my favorite social media stories. Um, so I used to, st- I started with musicians. That's mm-hmm. where, cause you know, I was working at a radio station. That was the easiest crop of people I could start with. And so I picked up this band, a heavy metal band and they're paying me monthly and it was great, but they, uh, they did so many selfies. It was the most ridiculous thing and like not attractive ones. So it's like them like in their Honda Civic taking a selfie of them going to the show like, oh, on my way to the show. See you tonight. And I'm just like, you have to know like you have to <laughs> you have to think of yourself. You are a sex symbol. You are an international rock band. You know, you don't drive yourself to the show. You are driven to the show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I want to take even if that's not your car, go take a picture of yourself in front of uh, you know, a Ferrari with two bottles of Jack Daniels and two hookers. You like, you know, like yeah. you know, rock and roll. And that's their image for heavy metal and hard rock. You know, a country yeah. band can't do that. That would be very bad. That's what you said about you perception know. versus reality before right yeah, yeah yeah so play with that you know while we were talking about being authentic is good maybe that level of authenticity of driving your honda civic from 1995 <laughs> to a gig is not attractive so you Fake know yeah 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 so it's it, again i keep saying this but it is a healthy balance so yeah uh with artists they have to realize that also some artists and some people shouldn't have direct access to their social media right. alec baldwin is famous for like saying horrible things on twitter and then deleting it and then coming back obviously donald trump should, like i don't <laughs> oh, even know fuck. why he's allowed yeah. to like be online yeah yeah <laughs> so you know different things like that so some musicians know you're if you've been drinking and you're out and you're partying you don't want to like do a facebook live of a bunch of girls on the bus you know yeah. there's got to be someone <laughs> to make sure those girls are legal yeah and true. that they're of uh, age and you know that there's no drugs or like illegal drinking so like you have to, you know, social media is very powerful, but for a band, especially one that's touring and all that stuff, it can take you down very quickly. So yeah. it's good to limit the amount of people who can use it and make sure that they're responsible and that they have the best, kind of your best interest at heart. Do you follow Ricky Gervais? I don't. Is he? I'm, I assume he's hilarious. Yeah, he, he does all these posts of him in the bath. He like he finds the, the, <laughs> the, the, the ugliest angle of his face he can find. And um <laughs> And it's become it's become legend status, so people should look that up. Oh, That's yeah. great. But yeah. another thing to think about, I've ha- also had another heavy metal band that I had where they had a dispute with their management, and then their management took over their social media. They locked it, the band out. Wow. Uh, and it was a legal dispute. And they were a major band. They were on Top 30 Rock Radio, um, and they couldn't post to their social media because the management shared uh, all the passwords, and they locked them out. And it took them two years uh, through legal... Wow. And a lot of money to get their password back, wow. and you know if so. Was someone else posting careful. in the meantime through those accounts? No, or was it just no, no, no just, activity? Just no posting, no activity, yeah. and you know they had a, a single out on radio, and it died pretty quickly. So they immediately just started their own social media, mm. so like official, you know, band, and you know, but they had a hundred thousand on their Facebook before, and they started from zero. Wow. So it's you know you have to be careful who you share your password with, and. Uh, also, if you have a contract with somebody, yeah. uh, with a management company, like make sure to write in that we we retain the right to our social media mm. and that you know there's legal you you know legal recourse. I have a lawyer draw that up somehow. I'm yeah. not a lawyer, so I don't know the legalese. <laughs> but something to think about, especially before you sign contracts to 
how is social media? Another thing to think about music streaming rights. So a lot of artists are getting really kind of swindled out of money. Let's say you, you know, your song is played a thousand times on Pandora, you get a check for 50 cents. A lot of times people blame Pandora for that, but it's actually the record company. So the record company, when they, when they sign your deal with you, they retain almost all the rights for streaming and you're just so happy to get a deal. You don't think about it. And, you know, most people are making money off, not a lot, but most of the money is coming from streaming or from merchandise or, you know, those different avenues. Mm. Good things to think about. Yeah, I just got my, my statement for um, streaming internationally. And How'd that go? It was, it was excellent. Um, it's great that we're finally making money from streaming. Uh, the cost yeah. for the year of having my, all my various albums up um, online was something like $63 or something. And oh, okay. and what I earned from streaming was I think forty three cents. So there's a great so- solid business model right there. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Well, yeah, I've worked for Slacker Radio, I've worked for streaming, and there, you know, every no one in streaming is making money. Like Pandora's not making money, Spotify's not making money. Yeah. It's all investors, because um, it, it's really hard to to do that. You know, fifty mm. percent um, of your profits can immediately go to the record companies or whoever licenses the music. Mm. So, and then you know you have to employ engineers and it's a tech company so it's kind of hard and also i i think i'm right i think i'm right in saying that the individuals who aren't up there through record companies aren't getting the same deal i think the major labels have struck different deals with spotify and so on um which so probably yeah when the individual artists just put their music up um they're getting an, an even worse experience I'm not sure. I don't know. I don't mm. know the. I've never gone through that experience, and yeah. I was in the marketing, so I don't know. You know, departments. So I never saw the breakdown, but it's possible. Right. You know, it's always important. Whatever contract you get, you know, make sure to read it. And, well, it's interesting. But we, I mean, a couple of my albums um, came out through labels, and a couple didn't. A couple of them I did independently. And our aggregator, when when I put my music up on on the streaming sites, mm. um, I asked my aggregator for a breakdown. Of, of how it all worked financially. And yeah. because there were all these rumors going around about you know how little you got per click or whatever. And, I, and so I, I thought I'd go and ask for an actual answer. And I kept getting replies, this is via email, I kept getting replies that just avoided the question. And yeah. I, had to, I had to really push and eventually I got quite pushy and, and I said, whatever I said, you know, for God's sake, answer the question. Um, yeah. and, and they, at that point, came back and said, we've actually, all of the aggregators have been made to sign a non-disclosure contract. Um, ah! We can't tell you. And that How lack of... How ridiculous tra- that, is that? Exactly. And that lack of transparency right there tells me that something is, is very, very wrong in the inner yeah. workings of that whole system. Mm. Yeah, wow. who knows? I know that, you know, that the record companies, they will nickel and dime you. They will make sure every single song, you know, that they are paid for. So... Yeah. You know, um, you know, from the streaming companies, they're very particular about that. Right. So, um, I don't know. <laughs> hey, Nicole, um, we know that you have to this go. It's getting depressing. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, well, we don't want to leave on that that down a note. But um, what yeah. are, what are two things that someone can do today to um, up their engagement on their their profile on say, well, on any of their social media profiles? Yeah. And and what well, what can well, they do inside an hour for no more than fifty dollars? Oh, yeah, for okay. sure. Um, well, there's a lot of free stuff. We don't even need $50, you know. Um, if $50 maybe invest in, you know, 
a good iPhone or, or um, a stand or, you know, things. If you're like a musician and you're doing Music Monday, you know, like a little stand for your iPhone. Yeah. Um, IK, IK Multimedia does really great stuff. Have you guys mm. ever heard yep. of them? Yep. They make T-Racks and all this other stuff. They make great um, little things that you can like put your iPad on, you know, uh, the mic stand and stuff like that. And yeah. little stuff for your to my brain is like dying. Right now. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, like little things for your, your, you know, uh, your iPhone, uh, for props and stuff like that. So like something like that, just making sure you have good equipment. So if you're videoing yourself playing guitar for music Monday, you know, that you have the right equipment. So spend your 50 bucks on that. Yeah. But other than that, for like Instagram, uh, use hashtags, you know, mm-hmm. say your message and then do a space or two and then just put 20 hashtags. I know it looks terrible, but it's common practice right now. Okay. And I like to just, you know, in my notepad, copy and paste. You know, I just have like a little block of hashtags I always use. Hashtag social media, hashtag Los Angeles, you know, always try to put a geolocation of where you are and check into a place. Um, so for Instagram, just, you know, high quality photo, uh, post every day per platform, Follow 30 people, you know, a day from people who are interested and just make sure to use hashtags on Instagram because it's a really great way for people to find you. Yeah. Awesome. That was more than two. That's more than two. <laughs> hey, thank you so much for your time. You've been really generous and we know that you're, you're about to run out the door, so we'll, we'll leave you there. And what's your, uh, for the listeners, what's your website or how can they find you online? Yeah, for sure. So um, my website is buildingtheempire.co yep. uh, and just as a, a note, never buy a website that is .co. I'll never do that again because everyone misspells it and they can never find it. So <laughs> I'm in the process of, process of changing that. Uh, on Instagram, I'm at MyRadioNerd. And okay. <laughs> uh, Twitter, I'm at Building the EMP because Empire didn't fit. So I'm in also the process of branding myself, right? Because every place I have is a different name. So. Uh, are you a little bit? You know, are you, it's a, are you strug- one of those it's a people, struggle, even for me. <laughs> you, are, you, are you one of those people where you're brilliant working on other people's stuff, but yeah. you're a little bit chaotic on your own stuff? Yeah, a little bit. You know, I'm trying to get better at it. It's like a house cleaner, you know, that goes out. They yeah. want to come home and clean their own house. You know, I at the end of the day, do not even want to look at social media. I'm just like so over it. You know. Uh, but but it's good it's good so but thank you for you know having me on the show i had a blast yeah yeah. you know it's been been a lot of fun i can't wait to hear from your listeners and see what new zealand is all about definitely oh come on down one day and we'll do another episode with you about um about dating you've got a lot of opinions I have so and, many great stories yeah. uh, i don't know if that has any interest to the the fan base but oh my god i'm I sure it will stories. yeah have a good date tonight all right thanks so much <laughs> great chatting <laughs> bye Hey, Nicole, thanks for being on the show. And thanks for you, uh, to you guys for listening and, as always, being really supportive of this venture. I hope you got something out of that. Yeah, I know I did. Yeah. And um, I'm going to be... probably have to go back and listen to it again and start taking notes about things because it all moved really quickly. Yeah, uh, so definitely. Make sure you, um, you do your social media shit properly. <laughs> <laughs> we should do it too. Yeah, we should. Really? Put ourselves out first. We have to practice what we preach? Yeah. Uh, You'd think so, wouldn't you? I don't know. I don't know. I thought that when I became a musician, it was just going to be about drugs. Rock and, and roll. Girls, and girls. And that sort of thing. Alas. Oh, well. See you next time. Laters. If you find what we're doing useful and you like this podcast, please do like, share, and subscribe, and give us a review on iTunes. <laughs>